You're listening to She Time Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6, Becoming Morgan Klein. Welcome back to She Time, your me time destination featuring smart and fun conversations aimed at helping women to prioritize self-care. I'm your host, Alexandra Sampson, wife, mother, career woman, self-care advocate, and founder of the She First Project. Today, I'm talking with mompreneur Morgan Klein. Morgan is the co-founder and COO of Burn Bootcamp, one of the hottest and fastest growing fitness franchises in the country. Morgan is also the host of Coffee and Kettlebells, a podcast covering hot topics such as nutrition, fitness, self-help, entrepreneurship, and motherhood. Morgan and I will talk about how she met her husband and Burn Bootcamp co-founder Devin Klein, her transition out of corporate America into health and wellness, and balancing marriage, motherhood, and business. I'm super excited about this episode, so let's get into it. And if you're new to the podcast, we start each episode of She Time talking about what we're sipping on. So I hope you have a beverage in hand. It's our symbol of relaxation and a little time to unwind. And Morgan, I will start with you. What are you sipping on? So I am sipping on a London Fog. It's a, a lot of people haven't heard of it, but it's a tea. Um, It's like a black tea and it's a latte. So uh, sometimes I'm not always feeling coffee. And so this is kind of my way to still get some caffeine in and a warm drink in the morning. Yeah, nice. Um, I'm actually drinking a little coffee this morning in honor of coffee and kettlebells, which we'll talk about a little later. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm drinking a little coffee here and my um, kind of go-to coffee has been collagen coffee. So adding a little scoop of collagen protein powder to my coffee in the mornings is a way to kind of get a little protein in and kind of help fuel my workout. So that's kind of been my go-to recently. Yeah, I've been adding that into my smoothies. So it's really, really good. Uh, Actually, it has no taste. The one I have has like almost no taste, but it's a good way to get that protein in, like you said. Right, mine too. Um, I think probably the only time I've been able to taste it is I've added it to water once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I definitely could taste it then, but it actually wasn't too bad, at least compared to if I'd put some other protein powder in water. So yeah, for sure. Um, that's been pretty good. So I'm excited to, to chat today. And I want to talk a little bit about how I learned about you um, before we dive mm-hmm. into the discussion. Um, so I recently moved to Char- the Charlotte, North Carolina area, and I teach group fitness classes. And um, a friend of mine, I think, had, had mentioned Burn Boot Camp to me previously, but there's a burn that's like less than a mile from where I live currently. And I teach an early morning class at my local YWCA. So a few mornings I was driving and it's still kind of dark out because I teach a 6 a.m. class. And so I'm on the way there and I kind of stop at a light and I look over to the left and I just look, there's like a window where you can see all these mm-hmm. women, like a massive group of women and they're like killing it. They're throwing like medicine balls down and yeah. you know, they're like pumping weights. And I was like, gosh, they're like, they're like killing it over there. And um, it wasn't, that was the first time that I put the connection to, oh, that's burn. Not long after that, I, I checked out a class there, really just loved it and was able to partner with the location closest to me in South Park to do a burn and brunch as a part of our kind of Let's Get Wealthy campaign that the She First Project does for Self-Care Awareness Month in September. And so I've just really loved um, just the environment, the community, the focus on an intense workout, but the ability to kind of do it at your own level. And I'm just, yes, a big fan. Good. Well, thank you. And, you know, I think you've said it best, like the community is such a special place and it's you know, it, you don't really understand it until you experience it um, because you can go to a lot of places and get a good workout, but it, I feel that the community is really what, what grabs you and hooks you and keeps you in because the women are just so amazing at Burn and so accepting and so um, positive, you know, so yeah. thank you. Thank yeah. you. And if you haven't, I'm going to put in a plug here. If you haven't checked out a Burn Boot Camp workout, 
you know, get online, see if there's a studio or gym close to you. I mean, definitely the community, everyone's like high-fiving during the workouts. I mean, so yes. <laughs> it's really a good environment to be in. And, and I think it really kind of adds to the motivation to kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. So mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, so I'm interested in talking with you. I, there's so many different questions that I have, and I want to kind of start with maybe just starting, since we've been talking about Burn, um, you are the co-founder of Burn. Um, you and your husband co-founded the gym, and I want to start with, first, how did you and Devin Klein meet? Okay, so this is a funny one. Um, Devin and I met in sixth grade, so we were 12 years old, wow. and uh, back in our hometown of Battle Creek, Michigan, uh, there was five different elementary schools, and then it all fed into one sixth grade building. Um, so at that point, you you know you had your like elementary school friends, but then sixth grade was always an opportunity to to meet a lot more people from the other schools in the area. Um, so sixth grade, we literally met on on the monkey bars, and like I I can still vividly remember the time that we met. And in the first week of school, Devin asked me out. Um, he asked me to be his girlfriend and I said, no. Um, and that, that was the the first, (laughs) (laughs) that was the first of, um, of many no's before I finally said yes to Devin. But, you know, honestly, we, we became really great friends in sixth grade. We have a whole group of friends that we honestly are still friends with them to this day. Um, but yeah, that's where we met in sixth grade. So best friends first. And then we dated, of course, like what is dating in eighth grade, you know, seventh and eighth grade. Right. Um, and then we dated throughout high school as well and all through college. So high school sweethearts um, stayed together, way, even though we both went to different colleges. And um, then obviously uh, we moved around a little bit. And Charlotte, Charlotte was actually a move because of my job. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit of like my transition up to, to what I used to do to what I do now. But um, I was the reason that we moved to Naples, Florida and Charlotte, North Carolina um, to follow my corporate job. And um, and then once we are in Charlotte is really when we laid the foundation of Burn Bootcamp. So. Nice. So you may have said no initially, but it resulted <laughs> in, you know, a lifetime commitment. So... How about that? Yeah, it did. And and like I said, Devin and I, we really were best friends before we started dating. Um, I I feel like we grew, I mean, we did grow up together, but I, so, I know so much about him and I was his best friend before I was his girlfriend. So um, when we did finally, you know, get into a committed relationship, it was supernatural. And, you know, we already knew so much about each other. Um, and you know, we've, we've been there for each other through a lot of good times and bad times. You know, my, my husband comes from a really broken home life, um, growing up. So he had abusive parents, alcohol, drugs, um, in and out of jail. And, you know, I was really his rock in those moments. And once we both turned 18, like he could not wait to get out of our hometown and he got a scholarship to play baseball at Central Michigan University. Um, and that was really his ticket and his um, really when he started his independence um, right at that that time. But we like I said, we stayed together through college. Um, again, I was the biggest support system and the biggest constant uh, person in his life. So it was just very natural for us. We of course, we broke up here and there like long distance relationships do. Mm-hmm. But um, there's, you know, never been anybody else that I've ever had a serious relationship with other than Devin. So it's just really amazing to see where we, you know, where we have come over these last, what, 18 years almost that I've known him. Um, we've been married for four years. We've got two beautiful children. Uh, we're growing a business together. We, we travel together. We work together. We do everything together. So He's truly my best friend first, and uh, I think that's what makes our relationship so special. Yeah, um, and and I can actually just kind of echo the sentiment of having kind of that friendship foundation for, um, I guess, kind of the romantic or marital relationship. And my husband and I started out as friends before it became more, I guess you could say now we weren't friends from sixth grade, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> although ironically, my best friend lived like two doors down from him. 
and knew him since second grade. They used to have like cookies after school, you know, <laughs> together. And yeah. We, and we never met actually until, um, you know, like his last year of college. So at any rate, but I will definitely say that, you know, marriage can be tough and challenging. Oh, yeah. And I think it's that friendship that we've had as kind of the basis for our relationship that has always kind of been the thing that we've been able to come back to as we kind of face some of those those challenges and tough moments so of course yeah yeah oh yeah we we're not immune to the tough times even though you know we've known each other for so long so I I can totally you know I can relate to that you know when the tough times come like you just kind of go back and think about you know who you are for each other and what you have been for each other and you just rely on that that friendship foundation as well. So, yeah. so I want to talk a bit about, you know, as you mentioned, you started out in the corporate world, food marketing, as I understand it, and now you're in the health and wellness space. And what prompted you to make the switch? Yeah, so I grew up really with the dream of working for a corporate company and climbing the corporate ladder. And um, to me, that was what success was. And so that was the picture that was painted very early on in my life was you go to school, you, you get your college degree and you find a good job with a big company that can give you like, you know, 401k and insurance and all those benefits. Right. So that's what I was doing. I went to college and studied food marketing. Um, and back where David and I are from Battle Creek, Michigan, that's also the headquartered location for the Kellogg company. So I grew up in Cereal City, basically. I was very, Kellogg's was a very known company in our city. Um, so it was very natural for me to apply for a position there because I didn't, I went to college about 30 minutes away from the headquarters. So junior and senior year, I was a intern at the Kellogg company right there at the headquarters. Um, excelled very well in my internships. They offered me a job right out of college. Uh, to Naples to go to Naples, Florida to be a sales rep. So of course I took that, you know, this was all what I wanted. This was all like my dream, right? So um, did that was a sales rep worked my butt off to get a promotion. Um, within 18 months, I was promoted up to Charlotte, North Carolina, to be a sales analyst for a larger account here at the regional office. So again, this is like, all I this is all of my dream. I wanted to do this. This was great. I was happy. And then came along Farm Boot Camp. So uh, as I was working my nine to five job, Devin had moved up to Charlotte by this time. So just to give you guys context, he he was drafted for um, minor league baseball through the San Francisco Giants, and he played three seasons. So when we moved to Charlotte, he had been he had just been released. Um, so no, his baseball dreams are crushed, right? And he's like, what am I going to do now? You know, he had a college degree in finance, but he, his plan A was like, go play baseball. And when Devin has a plan, like that's the only plan. He doesn't like think he's going to fail at something. And so there's no plan B for Devin. So he mm -hmm. sat back for a little bit and he, um, he became a personal trainer. You know, he's training people one-on-one, -on -one, doing a little bit of group training, um, and then when I was promoted to to Charlotte, he was like, you know what? I'm not going to work for anybody. Like, I want to start my own business. I want to do this. I want to dream big. He was like, I know what I know. I have what it takes. Um, so that's kind of where Burn Boot Camp started. It was April of 2012 when um, we moved up to Charlotte and he started Burn Boot Camp. So. With all that being said, I'm working my nine to five job. He's doing burn boot camp in a parking lot, right? Nice. I don't know if you've heard much about his story, <laughs> but um, we went and bought, like I'm supporting all of this right now because he has no job. So it's my income that's supporting this dream of his. And so we go buy weights from Dick's Sporting Goods, you know, some yoga mats, some equipment. Um, we go talk to a gymnastics studio and convince them to let us sublease their parking lot and part of their gymnastics studio a couple hours a day. Um, Devin is on a mission to find as many women as he can that will come work out with him for free for 45 days because he believed so much in what he had to offer that he's like, I'm going to give you 45 free days to see first. I'm going to get you results first before I make you pay me. Nice. Um, so that is really where Burn Boot Camp uh, started, right at that ground level. And, and I was helping him before work, after work. Um, on the weekends, we were going to his 
as many health expos or even like little town 5Ks or whatever we could do to get our name out there, we were doing. So um, I slowly began to find this passion in helping other people, right? And so I got my certification as a trainer. I had not been a trainer prior to that. I have an athletic background, but I had no experience training people um, other than what I was doing, you know, with Devin. So I was really a student of Devin's for a while there. And I just found this fulfillment in me that um, I wasn't getting at my other job. So I loved being able to help Devin. I loved being able to impact women. Um, I loved being able to train. And so I slowly started like shifting my passion to like wanting to climb this corporate ladder to wanting to like help grow this business with Devin. Um, but the biggest thing that what had not happened at this point was uh, a ring on my finger. Mm. <laughs> so I always laugh because I said to Devin, I said, I'm not quitting my full time job until you propose like I need a I need a commitment like of course I knew we were committed but um that was one thing that I was waiting for so as soon as Devin proposed two weeks later I put my two weeks notice in at Kellogg's and really the rest is history Devin and I started full-time doing this business together um I opened a location in Cornelius um and then shortly after that we became a, a, a national franchise so to go back to your question, you know, that the prompt of switching gears was really the fulfillment I was having helping other people. You know, I no longer had this passion to go sell more cereal and Pop-Tarts and waffles like mm. because I was then telling clients, like, don't eat that stuff. It's not good for you. So I was conflicted and I was really assessing the, the happiest moments in my day. And it always was when I was involved with burn or in front of people and working with people. So it was scary. Uh, I will, I will not sit here and say that it wasn't something that I prayed about for several months, talked to my family, my closest friends. Um, I had doubts, of course, I had fears, of course, but I knew that in my gut that it was something that I had to go do. And if I failed, you know, I, I would figure it out. You know, I didn't yeah. have the fear of failure because I knew, Hey, if this doesn't work out, then at least I know that I followed my heart. I followed my gut. I gave it my all. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll figure it out from there. You know? So, um, that was, you know, that was kind of my mindset was like, I got to be all in. I can't be 50% in at Kellogg's and 50% in at Burn Boot Camp. I've got to be all in. And I truly believe that you've got to do something in your life that fulfills you and that you have a purpose of doing and a passion for doing. And if you've lost that passion in your current job, like, listen, we only get one life to live. Like, it's time to, to reevaluate and course correct. Yeah. Oh, that's really amazing. I mean, I knew high level the story of um, you leaving the corporate world and, and kind of coming over to help with Burn Boot Camp and, and keeping the expansion going. But just to hear all the details, I'm like, wow, it makes it even, um, I think, that much more inspiring um, to hear. And I want to actually touch upon, I mean, you noted that at one point you were kind of, in, in a lot of ways, helping to fund this growing startup business. I mean, what was that like? Because I know, certainly as a wife to um, a creative person who's very mm -hmm. entrepreneurial, that that can sometimes be really challenging yeah. <laughs> when you're kind of um, helping to support someone else's dreams. And there is uncertainty as to what the outcome will be and will this be successful? And, you know, I mean, how did you kind of manage? Well, I guess one, did you feel those pressures? And then two, how did you manage them? Um, I, you know, going back to this is almost six and a half years ago now, I I did feel those pressures, you know, I think that, well, I know that Devin dreams extremely big. It's something that I now admire about him, but I would say six years ago, it gave me stress and anxiety when I would hear like all the things that he wanted to do. Um, and he's really taught me that like, if you dream big and you like vision, you're a visionary and like you put it out there and you continue to put it out there right in front of you. Like, you're going to go make it happen. And so I have a very strong belief in Devin. Um, 
I see how hard he works. And so in those moments where I was feeling stressed, like I just knew he wasn't going to let, let us down or himself down or me down. Mm. Um, so I just really relied on my, my faith in him and my faith in, in just God that it will all work out. Um, however, I continue to this day to have to like reel Devin in sometimes because I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay. That all sounds really, really good. So I am, um, I'm kind of shifting my role from a CFO to a COO, um, cause we've hired some, some staff in the financial areas of our, of our business. But, um, I have always been in a hundred percent control of the finances. And, and so it's always like that. That can be a conflict for us sometimes because he, like I said, he's a big dreamer. So like he wants to go do things, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to reel it in just a little bit here and I'm going to get practical. Um, but I think that's a good balance that we have in, in each other's strengths. Yeah. And it, it definitely sounds like it and off air. I'm going to have to get some tips and other things from you yeah. <laughs> because I get, there's so many similarities and my husband is a huge Dreamer. He's in um, the film industry. So he's a film critic, film festival director, filmmaker. And um, he has a lot of passions. Um, And again, he's a huge dreamer. And he's doing a lot of great things. And I sometimes am that voice of, okay, hold on, you know, let's get this through or let's, you know, maybe, you know, stagger the timing of some of these. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm always coming in with the kind of, let's rein it back. But, um, yeah, but I think that is a tough balance, you know, because you don't want to be like the dream killer. Right. And so that's something that I have had to work on over time is like, I don't want to listen to one of Devin's like goals or dreams and like shut it down completely because who wants that? Like, that's not a supportive partner. Um, so it has been a fine line that you have to play of like, okay, this all sounds really, really good. Now let's, let's sit down and make a plan and let's work backwards from here. And let's really get practical about like the cost behind it or the time behind it. So, um, I certainly don't have it perfected, but I, I think that I have gotten a lot better, um, over time as we've grown. Yeah. And uh, I think there's definitely that balance because in this, to the extent that I'm kind of the, okay, let's rein it in. I mean, his, his desire to dream big and to be able to just go for it without hesitation has also helped me to kind of stretch myself, you know, in a lot of ways. So I would Mm -hmm. imagine that there's probably that, you know, that same kind of dynamic perhaps in your relationship as well. And that, you know, Hey, let's, let's dream big and let's not always stay in the practical space that sometimes you've kind of got to go beyond that to really get to the next level. Absolutely. Yep. You know, this has been really great so far just talking about, kind of have the origins really of Burn Boot Camp. And I'm curious to know, what's one value that you learned early on in life that you still hold on to today? Because I'm sure there's something that kind of plays itself out as maybe an underlying theme in, you know, all the things that you work on or do. Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest lesson and value that I have is my work ethic. I learned very early on in my life that, you have got to work hard for everything that you want. Like, don't expect people to um, work for you. You know, don't expect others to give you any breaks or handouts or, you know, I I just think that from an early age, my mom and my grandpa actually like instilled this in me that you just got to work hard. And even that was lessons that I was learning through like sports. So my grandpa would always tell me like, you got to be the hardest worker on the floor. Like you got to be up doing your drills, like, you know, when your, your teammates aren't, you know, so like, it's almost like those lessons that I learned as a kid in sports and at school has really translated into the way that I do business now. And so what I mean by that is, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to work all the time, like you're never off, like, I don't, I don't get to clock in and clock out, right? You know, that's just, that's not really a possibility when you're when you own your own business um, or when you just have a very, you know, uh, fast paced growing business. So there's ways that I've obviously been able to manage that. But I would say that's one value that both Devin and I have that uh, we've been willing to sacrifice a lot of things in our 20s, um, you know, and now we're we're entering our 30s. Um, so we've sacrificed a lot of things you know, going out on the weekends, um, traveling a lot. In the beginning of our business, we couldn't travel for like the first two years because we were we were working every hour that we could. You know, we were we were the trainers. We were you're everything, right? You're everything when you first start your business. So um, 
I would say that's the biggest lesson that I've learned early on in my life that I, I do take pride in my work ethic. Um, so my, my mom was a single mom. I lost my father at five years old in a car accident. So I watched her, you know, she is a hairdresser and she kind of owns her own salon. So I watched her like work her butt off every day for everything that we had. And so she's a great example to me that, you know, you don't, you don't really ever stop working, but she's passionate about it. And so I think that's also what's really helped me is that when you're, extremely passionate about what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work. Um, And I think that's, that's the balance that a lot of people need to find is they may have to work a lot, but if they're not passionate about it, and they aren't enjoying the process and the journey, um, then it is daunting, and it is hard. But I don't mind picking my computer up at night and and finishing up work like that's something that I don't mind doing. So you really do have to find that, that right job and that right um, career. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really great point in that I think work ethic is important in anything you do um, and that it becomes a little bit or maybe a lot <laughs> easier to be able to to give that kind of effort when it's something that you really mm-hmm. feel passionate about. It's something that you're really yeah. into. And um, I think sometimes many people find themselves in a place where they're really just trying to give their all into something that they're just not into. And it's really difficult. It is. It is. There's always, there's eventually going to be conflict in that, right. Of like, like sacrificing your time, whether that be with your family, your spouse, your friends for a job that you're not passionate about. There's eventually going to be conflict. Yeah. Uh, But for me, that conflict doesn't has not came because I'm so, I'm so, uh, I'm so lucky and grateful and blessed to be in the position that I'm in. And I know that all the hard work that I put in, uh, is impacting other, other people. And so that in itself is extremely rewarding. Yeah. Well, so talking about work ethic, um, you know, we've talked about your roles at Burn Boot Camp, your COO, you're also a wife, a mom, and you travel um, quite mm-hmm. a bit, I would imagine, which makes you super busy. Um, how do you yep. <laughs> how do you manage it all? I, I know there's so many of us out there that are juggling different things. And I know I'm personally always looking to hear from other people who are really busy, like, OK, how are you doing it? So what makes it all work for you? Yeah, so... You know, I would say like in the moments that I'm in right now, um, I am very busy. My husband and I just traveled the last five days to the Midwest um, and we didn't get to bring our kids to that. But for us, like we try to integrate as much of our life as we can. Um, And what I mean by that is like my kids know, well, Max is only 10 months, but Cameron, like she knows what burn is. She knows what mommy and daddy do. She travels with us sometimes when it's possible. Um, but I, so two things, uh, I keep a very tight schedule. Um, everything on my calendar, uh, has to be like up to date. And if someone needs my time or I need to do something, I have to put it on my calendar. So I stay very disciplined to stay in line with what's on my calendar. That's what kind of helps me in that day to day, um, grind of managing it all. Um, and then Secondly, you know, Devin and I have we've built a great team around us. You know, when we first started this business, it, we were a two-man show, and we were doing everything. But obviously, as we've grown and as we've um, became, you know, more financially successful, we've been able to hire on a great team of people that that help us. So I don't want to take all the credit for my, you know, for for it because we have a great team of people that work at headquarters um, that really helps us keep it all together. Um, so managing it all, I would say I've, I keep a very tight schedule um, and I use my calendar a lot. So yeah. that would be my best tip. Yeah. No. <laughs> Otherwise, it's uh, my brain is scattered and I don't know what I need to do and I get distracted and by the end of the day, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. So yeah, yeah. And I think that's it's um, interesting that you note the, the tight schedule and the calendar being a 
critical component of you being able to manage it all. I've been talking to the guests for this season who, you know, are like you, really busy. That's actually been a, a theme in the response yeah. of kind of how are you doing it? It's, it's my calendar. You know, I keep my calendar tight. It's, you know, I try to not add, you know, one, a comment I've gotten is I try not to add too many things to the calendar and you try to be methodical about what makes its way onto the calendar. And so it sounds, yep. I think that's a theme and, and, and it's something that I'm actually still working on is trying to make sure I keep the calendar together. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of going off of the team aspect of it that I was talking about is I used to be like, well, I still am, but a very type A. So I think I had to learn this hard lesson that I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I want to do everything, because in my mind, like the way I do it is the way I want it done. But as you scale and as you grow in your businesses, like you can't do everything or else you'll, you will go crazy, right? So I try to really assess what's on my to-do list and say, is this something only I can do? Um, and if it's not, and if it's something that my, someone in my team can do and probably do better than me, then I hand that off to them. Um, so that's why I feel that that importance of, you know, when you're starting to grow your business, like bringing on the right people um, to help you grow and to help you partner with with whatever your uh, passion is. So that helps me as well. So I really, I try to let go of the things that other people can do and trust them. I think trust is so important when you're building an organization. You have to be able to trust the people that you bring on and you have to extend that trust in them before they break it. So I'm a big believer that like trust is there until you break it. So if I hired you to do a job, like I trust you're going to do this job. And that means I have to like let go of that type A um, characteristic sometimes and just say, listen, this is why I hired you. This is your strength. Go, you know, go take this task. So that's also helped me a lot. Otherwise, I would be drowning in emails and work and projects and meetings and and whatnot. Yeah. And I think that has certainly an important application in business. But, you know, it's also really important to do just in, you know, kind of our personal lives and just asking for help and doing it early and often, which is, I think, sometimes difficult. And I know as a a working mom, I, I don't ask for help enough. And mm-hmm. um, that stems from various feelings. Oh, I should be able to do it or, you yep. know, I can do it better. <laughs> Sometimes yep. I do have that thought, you know, and <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's even more important, especially from a self-care perspective to say, hey, you yeah. know, I have to use the resources around me and I can't be afraid to do so. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because I agree, like that is, that's something I had to overcome too. So like I have a cleaning service that comes to my house, you know, once a week and I, we get our lawn taken care of by a landscaper. And those were two things that I had the hardest time spending money on. I was like, no, like Devin, you should mow the lawn and I should clean the house. But we started looking at it as we're trading that, that money for time with our children. So Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a big way that I'm able to, you know, be a great mom and and be present with my kids is take some of those tasks off my plate that when I am at home, I can truly just be pouring into them. Um, but like I said, that was a very hard decision to make because again, I'm, I'm someone who's just like a do it all yourself. You can do it. Um, but I really had to humble myself to say like, it's okay to, you know, pay for someone to come and clean your house, like, or do the lawn. So yeah, um, I'm glad you said that because I think that is important to evaluate not only what you're doing at work, but what are you doing at home that you can maybe be spending your time in a better way? Yeah, yeah. So I want to segue and talk a little bit about your podcast, um, Coffee and yes. Kettlebells. And, uh, you know, I, I, I recently discovered it probably, you know, not long after I discovered Burn Boot Camp. And Mm -hmm. um, I've really enjoyed listening to the episodes. It's a great mix of, you know, kind of health and wellness, fitness topics with, I think, just personal life, you know, kind of lessons and topics as well. So I just wanted to talk a bit about what prompted you to start, you know, the Coffee and Kettlebells podcast. Yeah, so really the the idea came in the beginning of this year um, from – my team. So Devin, my husband had already started his own podcast and he kept challenging me. He was like, you know, you need to, you need to share your stories more. You need to, you need to get out in the open and, and talk to people more. Like people want to hear from you. You can relate to our burn boot camp clients better than I can. And, 
Um, it was something that I was very hesitant at first because it was like, okay, this is one more thing on my plate though. Like, and I don't know, like I'm not a very open, vulnerable person, or at least I wasn't at this time that the idea came through. Um, but you know what? I took a leap of faith and I, and I jumped out and I said, listen, I'm going to do something outside of my comfort zone because we challenge people to do that every day, right? At burn, like stepping outside your comfort zone and coming to burn or picking up heavier weights or, you know, challenging them to, um, change their diet to become healthier. So I was like, you know what? I need to challenge myself to do something that doesn't necessarily come natural to me. And that was starting a podcast. So, um, that was one big reason really is to just connect with people more. I wanted to be able to impact in a different way. So I used to be the head trainer of Cornelius, North Carolina, which was the second gym that Devin and I opened. And I loved being a trainer. I loved impacting. I loved spending time with people. I loved connection within the relationships that I built. But as I started having babies and as the franchise started growing more, um, I, I really just couldn't I couldn't do that role anymore. Like I, I had to step away from the training role and that left a huge void in my heart and, and the way I felt every day. So I felt that being on this podcast and starting to relate to people again um, and building those relationships and connections would be a good way for me to kind of bridge that gap and fill that void. Yeah, that's great. Um, so do you feel like you're more vulnerable and open now that you have, your hosting yes. podcast. <laughs> I do. I do. And, you know, and I'm, I'm actually not afraid to be vulnerable anymore because what I've learned through doing this podcast and, and, you know, getting out in front of people again and kind of just letting them be vulnerable. I feel like when you share stories that make you vulnerable, other people hear it and it gives them permission to be vulnerable and feel like, okay, I, she's going through this too. Like I'm not crazy or she's struggling with this too. Like this makes me feel a little bit better. Like I think anytime you can share stories and be real and be authentic with people, um, it, it goes such a long way. I can't even tell you how many messages I've gotten through like, uh, Instagram or Facebook of people just being like, Oh, I listened to that podcast. Thank you so much for sharing. Like I was feeling this way too. And it just feels so good to have, you know, to know that you're going through something like that as well. So I think just, again, that connection that I've been able to create, um, it, it's allowed me to be more vulnerable and feel okay about it because I don't w ever want to try to depict that I'm like a perfect person. Like yeah. I'm not this perfect person that has it all together. Um, and so I think that sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing more what's on my mind and my heart uh, shows people that I can very much relate to them and the same struggles that they go through. Yeah. As a mom, as a, as a wife, as a career woman, as a, you know, a friend, just everything, you know, I just want to be able to relate to people. Yeah. And just to echo that, one of the things that I've found is that the more open we are and the more vulnerable we are, it's an opportunity to discover and learn that a lot of times the things that we're facing is, is not, those things are not unique to us, you know, that there are plenty of other people that are also going through the same thing. And then I think, you know, the ability to be more vocal and open about, you know, your own personal challenges empowers other people to do the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. And it also opens up the opportunity to share, you know, resources and tips of, hey, you know, I'm also facing this yeah. or I have faced it and this is what has helped me, um, you yeah. know, and perhaps you can try it, you know. And so yeah. I think it kind yeah. of gives us, you kind of come out of that place of, you know, maybe the hidden or closed thought and you kind yeah. of can move to a place of healing or moving forward or, you know, whatever the next step might be. Yeah. And I think... Um, you know, it's not this, this podcast for those of your, your listeners that haven't um, looked at my episodes, but it's not just me talking. It's, you know, I've been able to connect with some doctors, um, some other women that have faced postpartum depression, infertility. Um, we talk a lot about nutrition, like, you know, what's a healthy gut? Um, what is, why is gluten bad? So I'm always, you know, looking for people that are experts in something I'm not an expert in and bring them on the show to, to educate um, our listeners on various topics, like you said. Yeah. So I, you know, I listened to the podcast and there was a recent episode 
that you did on mommy guilt, which I mm-hmm. is a topic that I find near and dear to me because it's something that I constantly battle. And yeah. um, there was a, a statement that you made in that episode, and it is, don't dilute your presence with distractions. And mm-hmm. um, I thought that that was you know, well said and certainly very um, powerful. And I wanted to see if you could talk a bit about how do you practice this at home, you know, in particular? Yeah, so I think that I've been able to really not master this, but this is a this is what I hold very sacred is my kids' time. So diluting your presence with distractions, meaning when you're home, like put the phone down, um, put the computer down because when I come home from a day's work, like it's never over, right? There's still unanswered emails. There's still things to do. But if I continue to like pour into that and look at my email and look at Facebook and look at Instagram and try to respond back to things, then I am diluting, like I'm getting distracted, basically. I'm getting distracted with my kids. So one kind of rule that I have is when I get home, I try to stay off my phone until the kids go to bed. Um, So there's usually like a two-hour window there, hour-and-a-half window there where I just try to be present with them because that's that's the most time I get with them sometimes during the week. Um, But I will say that there's other areas in my life where I want to be better at this. So... In a day's in a given day, right? I'm a I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a COO, I'm a podcast host, I'm a boss to several people in my office. Like I, I you wear a lot of hats dur- during the day, right? And you have to switch gears all the time. Like I could be coming from a uh, a phone call that maybe didn't go so well. Like it was a bad phone call with maybe uh, a lawyer, I don't know. I'm just just thinking like not so good, right? right. Then I have to switch gears and go into a meeting and be positive and be like a leader and be, you know, a, a, a boss, right? And then you might have to switch gears and go be um, a podcast host. And so you have to like put on that hat, right? And I can, I think so many women can relate to that, that we wear so many different hats. And it's often hard to be able to like shut off one emotion and then be present for like the next hat that you have to wear. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. (laughs) So I think that, yeah. So I think that what I actually have learned this through a therapist was go and like set your expectations for each role that you want to play. Because if you can really identify like who you want to be in those roles, like, okay, what kind of mother do you want to be first thing in the morning? What kind of wife do you want to be first thing in the morning? What does that perfect role look like for you? Or what are what are those expectations? What does it look like to be a podcast host? What does it look like to be a boss? And so when you can really identify who you want to be in those roles, you can be more present and, and act that way when you're in those moments. So um, bringing this back to kind of this don't dilute your presence with distraction is I have to be able to turn off the COO hat when I walk into the door in the afternoon and be mommy and be wife. And I have to be able, you have to be able to switch that, right? And Mm -hmm. so to me, it's don't, you have to be able to say, okay, that bad phone call that I just was on or that bad email that I read or that nasty comment that I just read on, on Facebook, I have to let it go. I have to pick up this new hat of mine and be totally present with my children and then I can pick that back up later or tomorrow. Like it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So um, that's that's that message is just being present in the role that you're currently playing and let the other role like be in the past. Right. Until <laughs> um, you have to pick it up again. Yeah. So again, it's something that I, I think that I've done really well with my kids because they obviously the time with them like fulfills me so much. And when I don't have that time, it um, I, I can definitely see it, it affects my mood. So I'm very, very um, protective of my time with the kids and my husband. But I think that I could always get better at this, you know, during the work day or, you know, uh, when I'm traveling and stuff like that. It's just being present in the moment. Yeah. There's so many good nuggets there. Um, I mean, one, 
I am like the multitasking queen. Like I can, do, I can do yeah. like so many things at once. I can have dinner going while I answer some emails, while I, you know, kind of engage with the kids. And I've learned over time that, you know, trying to be everywhere at once, although it feels like, oh, I'm being efficient with my time and I'm getting, mm-hmm. you know, I'm checking off multiple things at once. It just does a disservice to each of the roles that I'm probably trying yep. to fulfill at once. And um, I think probably the area that I've been most focused on improving on this is with respect to the family and my home life and in that, okay, maybe I multitask in other areas and I still have to work on that. But the one area that I want to really focus on being present in is, is when I'm at home with the kids, because as you noted, you know, especially for working moms, the amount of time that you spend with your children, particularly on the weekdays, is so limited. So don't dilute that time by you yep. know, kind of half, you know, half-heartedly being present. And and I've also noticed that my kids can pick up when I'm not fully present. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I've come, oh, yeah. when I'm sort of engaged, like they know, they're like, no, mommy, you're, you know, look at me, look at me. You know, they will ask for that attention. And so um, it's so 100%, true. yeah. And how old are your kids? So I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Okay. Yeah. I feel like when Cameron turned like two or like two and a half, she's almost three now. That's when I really started noticing that she was picking up on that. And I think that's what really like clicked in me to say like, okay, Morgan, this is like, you have to be present with her because she knows when you're not. Um, Because I think with a 10 month old, right, you can kind of get away with doing all those things because they don't really know the difference yet. But once your kids do start to get to that age where they can see if you're like, buried in your phone or, you know, not, not listening to them. And so, um, I agree. Like that's when it kind of hits you hard and you're like, okay, I need to be more present with you. Yeah. And I think as you pointed out, it really takes being intentional. It takes saying, Hey, this is who I want to be in this role and thinking about how best to fulfill that. And, um, you know, it's not easy because a lot of times there's conflicts between, you know, this is the type of I guess, career woman I want to be and this is the type of mom I want to be. But I think as you kind of establish and prioritize, you know, your values and the things that are most important, it will kind of sort itself out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we segue into uh, to wrapping up here, I want to talk a bit about self-care and your self-care routines, um, because I'm sure self-care has to be a, a, you know, component of what you do. Um, in terms of just managing everything and with, you know, just the overall health and wellness focus. So can you talk a little bit about what your self-care routine includes? Yeah, so I, um, outside of working out, so working out is very, very much my self-care because not only does it like relieve my stress sometimes and like elevate my mood and give me energy, um, it's obviously good for me, right? So I would say that my workouts are very important to me. And when I don't get them, I'm not the nicest person. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) uh, the second way that I really make sure to take care of myself is wake up in the morning and the first 10 minutes of my day is not spent on the phone. It's not really spent talking to anybody. It's not spent um, with the TV on. It's really just me either laying in bed or sitting in the living room before the kids wake up and just thinking about the things that I'm grateful for and the things that I love about myself. So I think it's super important to obviously show gratitude in the things in your life, but I think it's so important to also tell yourself things that you're proud of that you've done. And I think this gets overlooked so much in women. We don't give ourselves very much credit for all the things that we accomplish in a day. Um, or in, you know, a week. So even the small things, like I try to find one thing about myself that I'm proud of or that I love, um, because it really just starts my day the right way. And I think when we can love ourselves, then we're more receiving of love from others. So that's something I started practicing a while ago. Um, I can't remember where, like when I started, but I started writing a journal even of three things that I'm grateful for every day. And then one thing that I love about myself. So that's kind of how I take care of my mind, which is a super powerful thing. Um, and it sets the tone for the rest of the day. So uh, those two things, workouts and, and really just 
my mindset, making sure that I have a positive and healthy mindset going into the day, because when I don't, it's going to affect every person that I touch throughout the day. And that's a lot of people for me. And, um, I want to, I want to make a positive impact on people, not negative. So right. got to take care of my mind first. Yeah. And I really like the thinking about at least one thing that you love about yourself, because, um, I've, I've said multiple times on, on this podcast that I, I think self-love is kind of the foundation or beginning point for self-care. And I do think that as women, you know, I think many women are very high achieving. We set really high goals. And I think as a result of that, we can be very critical of ourselves because the, the bar and the expectations are so high. And I think taking that time out to really think about, you know, what's one thing that I love about me? Um, I think is a good exercise to engage in so that that's something that we are focusing on as opposed to a lot of the critical thoughts that probably comes, you know, so easily (laughs) to mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think even just celebrating little things, you know, don't look too far to try to appreciate some of the accomplishments you've had in a day. Sometimes I'm just happy to give my kid a bath. You know what I mean? Like that's just sometimes where you have to say, okay, this is great. This is the highlight of my day. I was able to get both kids in the bath and nobody died. You know, I mean, we, yeah. we I feel like we're so we, we, we think we have to do this grand, huge thing to be uh, proud of ourselves or, you know, feel like we've accomplished anything. And that's not the case. Right. Well, this has been really great. I am so glad that we had the, the chance to sit down and chat and um, I feel like I know you so much better now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we wrap, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. So um, my Instagram is morgan.a.klein, and Klein is spelled K-L-I-N-E. Um, also, Coffee and Kettlebells on Facebook or um, my Coffee and Kettlebells podcast. So that's the best way to get to reach me, to hear my messages, uh, to hear my podcast. Um, but then if you're looking to try a burn bootcamp workout, definitely go to burnbootcamp.com. We have over 170 open locations across the U.S., um, hundreds of more to come. So if we're not in your community, we could be very, very soon. Yes. Awesome. And I have one more question for you. Before I, I, I know we said we were wrapping. Yeah I've, yeah. I've been asking this of all of the guests um, because this season is themed becoming. So I'd like for you to finish this statement. Um, it is Morgan Klein is becoming fill in the blank. <laughs> I know I had I, I, it's, oh. it's such a deep question or statement rather. But um, but yes, mm. Morgan Klein is becoming confident awesome i love it all right (laughs) well thank you morgan again for coming on the show and um for again for our listeners who are tuning in please listen to coffee and kettlebells it's it's an amazing podcast and again look to see if there's a burn boot camp in your area yes thank you so much for having me alex thanks for tuning in to she time be sure to visit shefirstproject.org backslash podcast to access the show notes for today's episode. Also, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And sharing is caring, so feel free to share this episode with a friend. I love connecting with our listeners and members of the She First tribe, so be sure to like and follow the She First Project on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching She First Project. And if you have any suggestions for topics or guests, you'd like to see featured on the show, please reach out to us at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at shefirstproject.org. Well, I can't wait for you to join me back here next week for another episode of She Time. Until then, take care.